everyone. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Roman Loyola. Everyone's in studio this for this podcast. Uh, sitting at the table with me are Jason Cross and Lake Johnson. Hello, fellas. Hello. Hello. And we're also joined by the, the most important man in the room, producer Dan Masuoka. Thank you, Roman. Hi, Dan. Dan's the most important man in the room because he's monitoring our Twitter and YouTube feeds. We're is, live is that on Twitter why? and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Well, amongst other <laughs> reasons. So... But the main reason why he's the most important room is because he's representing you, the viewer who's watching us right now. If you guys got any comments or questions about the topics topics we're talking about or any other topics in general, uh, Dan's keeping a track of YouTube and Twitter, and he'll let us know what you guys are thinking, and he'll chime in with your thoughts and questions. So today's topics, we're talking about iPhone news and rumors. We're talking about uh, Swift Playgrounds for adults. It's adults. not just for kids. It's the late <laughs> at night version of Swift Playgrounds. <laughs> it's oh, the boy. late night version of Swift Playgrounds. Swift Playgrounds. <laughs> <after dark>. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we're going to talk about the Mac Pro. Last week, Matthew Panzerino over at TechCrunch. Mm-hmm. I almost said something else. But over at TechCrunch. Because <laughs> Matthew just posted something about on, on, on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter, and he's also a sneakerhead. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. and, he, and he posted something about... Uh, some new Adidas shoes, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" I'm kind of, I'm like a reformed sneakerhead. But uh, he he had an exclusive. He met with uh, some folks at Apple to talk about the Mac Pro. And one of the main points that were made in the story is that the Mac Pro is going to ship in 2019. So if anybody yeah. watching, you're excited about this, you're not excited about this, you're disappointed. Or what would you like to see in a Mac Pro? Let us know on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, let us know what you think about the Mac Pro, uh, the recent news that it's coming out in 2019. Uh, it's some inter- it was a very interesting article because while mm-hmm. Matthew wasn't given any detail, specific details about the Mac Pro itself, it, it, it was very much about how they're going about mm-hmm designing this particular product yeah and other so, products that yeah we talked about the other yeah. Macs. yeah so, i should say yeah so they they're doing this workflow approach which when you read about mm-hmm. it make you go you mean companies aren't doing that already <laughs> yes well, i was really wondering the, so the the detail it, they called it the what is it pro workflow team yes yeah. so the idea is was a little different i mean companies do this but what they did is they went and found Actual professionals who, who, outside Apple, people who right. people who use Logic and uh, and Final Cut, Final Cut, Final Cut and Premiere Processor. and stuff like that, just people who used Macs right. professionally in their professional work environments, and they brought them into Apple and like either hired them or hired them as contractors to like work at Apple. Yes, <laughs> and then they watched what they do and said like. Oh, well, this is slow when I do this. Or right. every time that I pop open this window, it it, it hangs for, for 30 seconds right. while it does this. Or I always do these five steps in a row. It, you know, could it be one step? And, stuff? and, and so they're looking at all those. that they were doing this before. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure Apple does this with their own people. Yeah, the, right, idea but, that, the idea that they bring, and they've, and they've always gone, talked to and gone to outside people. But the problem is this. The problem is like, 
if you have a pro, a, like a real professional pro who's working, uh, who's a video editor, they're working on stuff that you're not allowed to see. Yeah, they're working yeah. on a movie or a t- commercial or something right. like that that mm-hmm. Apple's not allowed to go in there and see what they're working on. Yeah. So they, so the idea of like hiring them at least as contract people to bring them in, and then and here's what you stuff and work on stuff for internally for Apple yeah. so that they can see what their process is. Right. And they're and they're finding out things that aren't just about designing the next Mac Pro. They're finding yeah. out things like, oh, that must be a driver bug we never knew about, mm-hmm. or something, yeah. or or we should just optimize that part of the program, you know. And so it's informing their software, but it's informing their hardware right. design. And I and they said they even went out of their way to say not just the Mac Pro, like yeah. Mac laptops mm-hmm. and stuff, which makes me really happy because there's no way they're bringing in all these pros. And they're they're going to be happy with the Mac Pro laptops only having USB C plugs and no <laughs> SD card slots right. and stuff. like that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know they've got to be going like these dongles, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. see, I guess what I mean was you know because yeah you might be working on a movie or something somebody was working on that but mm-hmm. you know one of the the cases that he talked about in the article is someone talking about you're opening up a window and it takes like five seconds and you mm-hmm. know over a spe- specific thing and over time these add up but the problem is you know I use you know like Adobe Lightroom Photoshop here at work and stuff right. like that and I get used to seeing those little slowdowns so even if you are you know just a journalist or something like that mm-hmm. and you're used to it I'm really surprised that they don't have I mean even if you work at Apple you got to be working with images and stuff and I'm surprised they don't notice those little slowdowns in the program and especially being Apple because they used to be so associated with the creative community and it's just like this this should be your thing yeah I think they do I think they I think they do in the the in the cases of the people like us like Mm -hmm. who are just like oh why is this and there's nothing they can do about Adobe if it's a driver bug it's a driver bug and they can find out but I think there's a there's a gap between that and what people do when they're working on a movie or something like that that, uh, that there's probably a difference in the features they use mm-hmm. and and how often they use them that may not run into that cuz well, there was know. a key line in there which I thought was interesting where it was mm-hmm. talking about it wasn't just apple stuff that they were using yeah. other pro- programs as well to get yeah. that same experience yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's certainly true that the, the professional world does not run on Final Cut. Right. You know, so just plenty of them do, but there's, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, if the, I'm going to bring up a certain point, and, but before I do, if there are anybody, anybody who's watching who's, who is experienced in product development, it'd be interesting to hear what you have to say about this. Uh, well, Enlighten Up on Twitter is saying, uh, a new chip without AMT this time, please. What exactly is AMT? A- oh, it is. Why can't I think of it? It is. And I'm curious about how much it would be a matter of you know software optimization when it comes when it's just you know apps loading slow versus you know uh, how much do they really have to redesign every you know how much is it is their hardware? And that's kind of what Jason was bringing up about you know they can keep that within their own wheelhouse, but when it's someone else that's going to be a problem as well yeah it's it's both like Mm -hmm. it's sometimes it's software and and they're not of course they're also looking at things like well i need a bunch of stuff to i need to plug in these things these are the things i plug into my mac every time i have to like pull in data off my camera or something like that and i can't do it without this dongle or it's a slow bus or whatever and those are the things that are going to help them design the next mac pro you know that's those are the hardware type things that they're going to have to worry about and then lighten up says amt is v pro 
So AMT, Intel Active Man Management Technology, yeah. is that what he's talking about? I don't. Why would they get rid of vPro on the Mac Pro? I think they want that because it's a it it helps them with the virtualization stuff, mm -hmm. and I think they want that on the Mac Pro. Who knows at this point? <laughs> I, I there's a there's a contingent of people within the the sort of tech community of of especially the real enthusiasts mm -hmm. who don't like AMT because it's a black box. Mm -hmm. It lets it lets Intel push updates that could disable your computer or um, you know, that people are scared that it could put backdoors in your computer, stuff like that. And part of the security management of it is that it is a black box. And uh, AMD has its sort of equivalent thing that they've always, people are like, you need to open source this so we can make sure it's not doing something funny in our computers. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think, uh, I think the contracts that Intel has with, things like defense contractors and government agencies and stuff like that all around the world, mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're not going to produce chips that don't have those things anymore. Well, like, if Apple ever does really go to doing its own chips, then yeah. that'll go, probably go away. So yeah. that's, that's the part of this that I kind of wanted to get to is that yeah. it, it's 2000. It, we were, I was a little disappointed that it's not going to come this year because a year ago, they said, oh, the Mac Pro, we're doing a new Mac Pro. It's going to be all modular. Don't worry about it. And we said, but it's not coming this year. And we're like, oh, right. for sure, 2018 then. <laughs> yeah, and now so we're hearing, no, it's yeah. it's 2019. <laughs> um, but I was curious what how you think this fits into the the rumors of, first of all, Marzipan, which was like the, right. the like running iOS uh, apps on your Mac OS. And right. then the further step of, well, maybe Apple... Go, dumping Intel and going with its own processors. Do you think this? Do you think these things go together, or are we just talking about different stuff? Yeah, I I have a hard time thinking that they would transition their hard Mac hardware that abruptly to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to its to Apple's own ARM processor. That right. seems like that seems almost suicidal to me. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I've been thinking, and I felt like people haven't really been talking about that, right? It, it, because you know, you know, it, you can't throw that kind of wrench into people's workflows, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that's what they're learning at, yeah. at, with their own research. So, yeah, I, I, the more I think about transitioning to ARM, the more I think it's going to be on the consumer level. You know, maybe we'll finally see a Mac Mini with an ARM processor. <laughs> but yeah. that won't happen until like 2020. So <laughs> right. they'll still be charging how much they charge for the Mac Mini now that they did what four years ago when it came out. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Mac pro um, and, and MacBook pro laptops eventually do run some Apple made processor, yeah. but they're going to be the last thing to transition. Right. Yeah. Like it's going to start with the cheapest consumer laptop with the MacBook right. or the MacBook air right. or whatever new product. Yeah. It's that it's going to start with that. It's going to start with some, you know, Mac mini update or something right. like that. Or, and then it'll go into Things like the iMac, and then the Pros will be the last because they need these. Yes. Those systems have yeah. heavy hardware, lots of <laughs> lots of threads, lots yeah. of cache, big stuff. And it's not like Apple can't make a chip that does those things, but it's that's going to come last. Yeah. So, so I have a question. Um, so, like, how powerful can an ARM-based chip get? Because, like, I've always thought of it as being like more power efficient, mm -hmm. um, and that's why they, you know they're using like phones and whatever. But how, like, what's the most powerful ARM chip out there right now? 
Uh, that gets complicated. <laughs> There's, I don't know what the most powerful, like total most powerful ARM chip out there. It, it could be an iPad's chip. Um, there's arm there's arm processors made to run servers but they're really relatively low power they're made to run um data servers where that you just have a whole bunch of storage and they're and they they have a lot of io cache and stuff like that right and, and processing speeds not necessarily yeah they're not they're not doing a lot of database queries and stuff like that that's all being done right. somewhere else these are just running storage controllers and stuff and they're and then it's all about power efficiency so uh it's either one of those or it's something like an A10X or an right. A11X yeah, coming this year or something. But there's really no technical reason why an ARM processor can't be, uh, you know, as powerful as the latest, you know, high-end 100-watt right. AMD and Intel chips. There's it, it, they don't, they're not optimized for that. But right. if you built a chip that sucked in 100 watts and had a bunch of cache and a whole bunch of you know and a lot of cores and a lot of threads yeah. and a lot of you know a lot of execution units and so there's no there's no technical limit why arm can't have more execution units per core and all this other stuff they can do that yeah it could happen that's an interesting question dan because like back in the day when apple had was was using motorola and they were using the power pc chips there was this whole Risk, Cisk yeah. thing, yeah. and the PowerPC chips hit a ceiling, a performance ceiling. Mm, yeah, it was hard to get beyond three gigahertz. It, you know, I, there was it was just. I don't know if there was a. I mean, up until recently, it was hard for AMD just to keep up with Intel, right? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, and not not because of an x eighty six versus yeah. ARM versus Risk Cisk thing, and even today's modern processors, they're not. Uh, like an Intel modern Intel Core i7 or something, they're Cisco processors, but they're not really. Yeah, they're yeah. like they they translate that those instructions to a machine code, and within the execution units, they're more like risk processors. It's really right. com- it gets really complicated. Yeah. The the steps that a piece of machine code goes through before it gets executed and gets turned back into usable data coming out of that chip. That's there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, Phil Allen on YouTube is saying, "Is could the ARM rumors be linked to hardball commercial negotiations with Intel for future chips? So is this mm-hmm. maybe just a chess game? It could be. You know, that's something people brought up. Like they leak a rumor that they're going to drop Intel and use their own chips yeah. as part of getting a better deal out of Intel. So uh, Gordon Ma Ung, who's a editor over at PC World, and he's very much into processors and stuff, and he mm-hmm. covers Intel. We had when the whole arm rumor thing was was breaking we had a, a, a discussion he likes to talk about potential cpus and apple products and stuff and he he is very he's also very much into conspiracy conspiracy theories yes yeah. and he <laughs> was pushing this idea that he thinks that maybe this is possibly just one way of apple to to get better prices from intel because Intel is their sole provider of processors. Yeah. And Intel can get, get away with pushing whatever price they it want. It doesn't to have to be. AMD right. could be, but the AMD's power efficiency is so bad that, yeah. like, right. Apple's laptop thing, right. it's just now getting decent with their newest Ryzen chips on yeah. the laptops, but it's still, that's that's a that would be a worry yeah. for Apple. 
So I think this is the way I think the transition's going to go. We see already in the iMac Pro, they have that, is it T2 or T3? Right, right. What is it, T2? The I T2 think. chip that... The T2 chip, the touch bar, which, yeah. And uh, other things. Well, the touch bar in the i in the Mac Pro, and the, and then the um and the iMac Pro, right? The iMac it, Pro it has a T2 or whatever. Right, it's, yeah. like it's the next version of that, right? And it does more. It does secure enclave. I it's think. the secure enclave, and it and it controls the boot. But it's also they use the image processor in there on right. the webcam. They do the audio controller and stuff. Is all right. that chip's audio? Right. That chip is basically. I I know that chip is like an A9 or something with a bunch of right. chunks disabled. <laughs> right. Like there's no right. Right. Um, so I think that's the way the transition's going to go. This marzipan, like run iOS on your Mac thing, yeah. mm-hmm. that may not be all Macs. That might, right. or or it might be with emulation, but then new Macs run it better because they're going to sneak in a, a T3 or a T4, or some new chip that's actually an A10 or something yeah. into Macs, and it's they're going to use it for security and they're going to use it for audio processing and all that. But they're also going to just start using it to run iOS apps, mm-hmm. and then. I, and they're going to make tools for developers to make iOS apps run in a window and resizable yeah. and stuff like that. That's and then eventually that's going to like phase. They're going to phase out the the Intel things and say well, just run the iOS apps. Now yeah. that now that they're after a couple of years of developers being able to make iOS apps that run in Windows and have drag and drop out of the things and all this other stuff, then they're you know that's that's the yeah. The transition is they're going to bring in those T two those T T series chips and then they're going to grow and phase out Intel and right. so that's the multi step process right it's going to take years yeah. yeah it's going to take years so um we did do a Twitter poll yesterday to see what people are interested in um, the question that we asked is um, now that you know that the Mac Pro is shipping in twenty nineteen are you considering an uh, iMac Pro so the results are in, and we've got 25% said, yes, they are considering an iMac Pro now, hmm. which is part of the reason why Apple wanted to disclose this, because they didn't want people to sit around thinking that a new Mac Pro was coming this year. In a way, it's kind of funny. This is a way to boost sales of the iMac Pro. I'm surprised they admitted that, but they, they made a good point that it's like, this is a this is a machine mostly like companies buy yeah. enterprise buy and they have yearly budgets and they don't right. want people holding on exactly. to their yearly yeah. budget anticipating a mac yeah. pro when it ain't gonna hit their yeah. yearly budget yeah and then 39 percent said no and 36 percent said they're not interested in either the mac pro and imac pro which is mm-hmm. not that surprising considering our readership we're yeah. a consumer-based publication you know, a lot of most of our readers are using macbook pros macbooks you know consumer imacs so it's not that surprising that not interested in either is that was you know ranked so highly in our polls. So a uh, couple of comments. Uh, one person wants an you know a, a new Mac Mini. Oh yeah, everybody. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> everybody wants that. a new Mac. So, someone's got to go. I want yeah. a Mac, new Mac Mini. Uh, and one person uh, talked about how the iMac Pro is not what high-profile VR, AR, ML developers need. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they need slots, they need the mm-hmm. expandability, they need a modular Mac Pro. Uh, Joseph mm-hmm. Angel Acosta said that on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, you know, that's... Yeah, they can put all the USB ports on an iMac Pro right. that they want, but that's not, yeah, that's not that's real not what, expandability. Right. It's definitely not modular. Well, one of the things that Matthew Panzerito pointed out in his article was he talked about how 
he he got to see some of the ways people were set up in these workflows. And one of the ways that was set up is that like they had a Mac, they had the Mac Pro set up, but it was also attached to a couple of iPads mm-hmm. running. Well, I, was it Logic or one of the Pro apps? Basically, I think using it was Logic, the, yeah, yeah. Basically, using the iPads as the UI, you know, so they can um, tap into that. So, so I guess Apple is trying to what what I think Panzerino's point was. Modularity may mean more than just slots mm-hmm. and, and open bays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely a way that Apple yeah. is going. Is they want to say, you know, you're being modular isn't just well you can replace your graphics card right. in a couple of years right. they or slap in more ram right they they're like we make all these other products you can buy too right exactly yeah. but know, let's hope it's just it's that too as well as being able to slot in other stuff as well. right yeah. right yeah so, I, I think that's yeah so i mean apple would love it if you had if you bought a couple of ipads to go along with your mac pro they would mm-hmm. absolutely love that and you mm-hmm. know that but also people are apparently using it that way so yes. yeah so um, but yeah, so, oh, what I wanted to make a point about, uh, product design is that, uh, so my wife is a product manager for a software company, a large software company. And one of the things that is interesting that I, when we talk about stuff is kind of this gap between a user's needs and demands and engineering and design. Mm-hmm. So, because Engineering and design, while they create the software, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily using the software on a daily basis. Right. So, and I think this has always been a challenge in software development where, you know, the engineers and the designers and stuff, they're not using the product that they're making on a daily basis because they're, 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 they're creating software. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so this workflow kind of process be interesting to see if it catches on with other companies. You know, I guess it all depends on what Apple comes out with eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it's clear that the products that they're releasing are benefiting from this particular process or not. I mean, I could easily see, you know, them come out with a product and people go, I don't, how is this any better from, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't seem like you guys benefited from using this workflow process. I don't. Yeah. I don't get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those gaps are still there, so to speak. Right. So, like the one example that Panzeria talked about, and you talked about earlier, was the person who uses a particular part of the UI daily, but it takes like six to ten seconds to refresh all the time. And mm-hmm. if you're using that UI, that particular part of the UI a hundred times a day, mm-hmm. that's you know that's a lot of time lost, and that's an example of the disconnect that you often see with software developers and the actual users. Right. So, and then I think Apple found out that that was, it was simply a graphics driver issue that right. they couldn't yeah. just mm-hmm. fix. Yeah. That, that it was, it turned out to be a really easy fix, but it's good so. to have that on hand that you right. know, it goes right. Cause so much of the software development, even though it could be good ideas and just that so, accounts for so much software, it's like it starts in theory and right. then we release it into the wild and then we start actually adjusting to what, uh, how users use it, and I think having the maybe you know different people that actually use it the way it's intended to be used right there at the development yeah. process could do. I think it's important to have different perspectives, though. I don't think one you know one artist is going to be different 
yeah. from another. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. your team has to be di- diverse enough in what they're doing and right. how they do it. And so, right. but you know, you hear you hear all the time. You know, Adobe, for example, talk about how how closely they work with developers. But but do they? bring a developer into right, adobe right a photographer a developer bring a photographer into Devo, into adobe and say you you work here for a month we're, we're right. paying you to work here we're going to watch what you do but mm-hmm. like do what you normally do shooting some stuff for our creative ads and stuff we're hiring yeah. you to do that and you're going to do it here and we're going to see what your workflow is just to figure out that like oh this thing that's three menus deep like you hit yeah. you you go three menus deep and hit that button all the time. <laughs> Maybe that should be a button on our UI, right? You know. Yeah. So, uh, kind of tying into, I know we've mostly been talking about hardware because you know it's the Mac Pro and this workflow process is being developed in Mac Pro, but it's also being. It seems like it's also, or, or at least Panzerito indirectly pointed out that it's ma- it's helping Apple make better software, mm-hmm. which is sort of a transition to what I'm to something that Ming-Chin Kuo came out with today in a, a, some kind of report or something talking about how Apple has kind of fallen behind in terms of software innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I don't know what the context of that report was. Yeah. He's usually talking, at, you, usually he's looking at sort of Apple supply chain and starting to try right. to predict, predict for investors what's Apple going to do so that investors can make wide investment. That's He works for an investment company. That's right, his, right. You know, so I'm not sure what the context of him coming out with this report saying like Apple's innovation challenges haven't been hardware. They've been software. Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot of the people that were commenting on it were, you know, they, they were basing it. Oh, so here, you know, the bugs with iOS 11 and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know, that they need to clean that stuff up. But similar people were having a hard time reaching what, with what he understood with that. I personally think that, you know, it's just like I'm one of those people that likes to use Google products on my mm-hmm. Apple device. So, you know, you yeah. know, it's one of the things where I think they're more intuitive. And uh, I think I can agree with that assessment that, you know, it's not, you know, as good as it could be. I, I would I'm, I'm going to channel Mike Simon here a bit and just say that I think they're I think Apple's longstanding process of how it updates its software is uh, is part of the problem. Mm. Like that it right. bundles together all these app updates with its core operating system updates like Apple photos doesn't get an update if Mac OS doesn't get an update and iOS doesn't get an update. And that's, that's kind of a problem because the, the pace of innovation I'm sure of that team is probably pretty high. They probably, they'll come out with a new version. There'll be some new features in photos in iOS 12 when iOS 12 drops Mm -hmm. and they'll probably have something that they were working on that two months later is ready to go. And now they got to hold it for iOS 13. Yeah. You know, if it's not a bug fix or something, you know, right. and and that's especially challenging in this new world of machine learning and, and uh, AI accelerated apps. You know, photos is a great example yeah. with all the face detection and stuff like that. Like you yeah. want to iterate quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think Apple separating out its app updates from its OS updates would probably be a, be a helpful way for them to, you know, I, if not be more innovative, seem more innovative, mm-hmm. seem to right. have more regular releases of more updated stuff, you know, cause the only thing that kind of updates now is things that are data related, right. like, yeah. you know, Apple, Apple maps, they'll add in like, Oh, we've got indoor maps for these malls now. That's, that's just data. <laughs> that's not a change in the app per se. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I would like to see them move to that model where all of their apps kind of are free to update features outside of the US. Yeah. So speaking of updates, we're about what? 
six months away from an iPhone update. Yeah, you see how I teed you up there? <laughs> Thank you very much. I was thinking, <laughs> Jay, I, I was picturing Jason putting the ball on the tee and me getting loose with the driver. So, but uh, yeah, so we're about six months away from an iPhone update, and there was a recent report by the Economic Digital Economic Daily News. Economic, Economic Daily News, which is Electronic a, Daily News? A, maybe, EDM. <laughs> Okay. Yes. It's not Chinese. electronic dance music. It's Chinese. It's a Chinese Economic website. daily news. Yeah. Yes. That uh, stated that the upcoming, that Apple is working on an iPhone with a three lens system. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Three cameras. Yeah. Three camera system, which EDM has always been kind of shaky in terms of the mm-hmm. rumor front. And this is for... Next year's iPhone. Yes. This isn't oh, the not, fall, not, not this fall iPhone. Okay. They, they said a 2019 oh, iPhone. 2019. Okay. So they're even trying to, pre- they're trying to predict next year's iPhone, <laughs> which is already one strike of like, well, maybe. Right. And then also, you know, they've been hit and miss. Yeah. Um, but I think part, part of it's they're looking at, they were looking at suppliers. And right. Huawei. Huawei has a three-lens phone. Has a three-lens phone. So. And people have been really complimentary about its yeah. photo performance. Yeah. Adam. Uh, Murray, one of our other pr- video producers, he has the, mm-hmm. the phone. He was showing it to me this morning, mm-hmm. and it's a three-lens phone. It's kind of odd to see three lenses on I the know, back of him. Was, he, think, was he trying you... to gloat it in your face? Yeah, he was. He was yeah. Check this out. Just, did he also show you the other side of it? He did not. There's a, there's a notch. There's a notch. Oh, there's, there's a notch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Huawei. I don't suppose. So. <laughs> Everybody's doing the notch now. Yeah. That's the, the Android <laughs> that's the thing. thing. Yeah. It seems like so many of these uh, focus on the you know the low lighting and the you know mm-hmm. the type of definition though that you could do it. But the Lenovo, Lenovo Fab Two Pro and the Zenfone AR both also have three cameras, but they're used there for AR. And since how Apple is making this mm-hmm. big AR push, I wonder if instead of photo quality, which I think a lot of people are focused mm-hmm. on, this is actually supposed to make AR better, where you'd almost have something you know similar. You know, mm. to where, where it can read the surroundings a lot better and find depth, and because uh, I believe one of them is an infrared, yeah, infrared lens for depth and distance, and there's also a motion tracking. Yeah, sensor. they've the the ones that that's Intel's real sense thing that's on the Zenfone AR and mm-hmm. the, and all, and that's I, I believe, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's um, yeah, they have it's a standard like it's like a two lens system like we have now, mm-hmm. and then the third one's not really a camera in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, what they're, what the claim was in this EDN article is that it's, it is supposed to be a, a traditional camera. And it's going to be more zoom. Zoom, I saw that. But. You know, which, and the more camera data you have, whether it's infrared or otherwise, mm-hmm. that'll help you. Yes. Do AR, but a, a really good zoom lens is not really what AR needs. Mm-hmm. It needs more. It needs more width. It needs to see more wide angle. Well, maybe that's what Apple would do. Maybe yeah. they were. Maybe they would have their wide angle be a little wider the standard and then the zoom be a little more zoom. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know that they need to go to a third I don't camera. Anyways, yeah. I think you look at something like what the pixel, the pixel two can do with one mm-hmm. camera right, right. and you think, well, two should be plenty after that. It's computation. Like, right, right. Yeah. The, the, the third, the, yeah, the three lens thing certainly seems like a, a short term kind of solution right right now. So yeah, that Apple would kind of sit there and go, well, no, that's not mm-hmm. that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Now I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if if they added a sensor that we wouldn't even necessarily call a camera 
on the back that's a lot like, let's say, it's a lot like the true depth cam sensor, except not optimized for your arm's length, mm-hmm. optimized for a room, a room, you know, and, uh, you know, do something like that. That I think they would do totally because they're really going hard into AR. And because the, to me, at least the, the Huawei phone, it seems like it's, you know, let's do as much big as we can. You know, let's it's, add more lenses like razors. Yeah, and stuff. yeah it's like the, the six blade razor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the side of the phone with like lenses just all the way across. <laughs> just, <laughs> crazy. There is a company across the street that has like, I want to say like 20 lenses. Yeah. Uh, on, on, but it's not a phone. It's it's like a camera. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it the light camera? Yeah. Yeah, because I was getting a bunch of PR about that, I mm-hmm. think, last week. I think they were shipping last week or something. Yeah, it's, they've been yeah. talking about that camera for a couple of years. I think they're finally ready to ship. And it's But it's crazy looking. It's a weird look. It looks like a bug's eye. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's like a it's like an it's like an instamatic or something, but it's yeah. got a, it's got twelve lenses on the back and they're all different focal lengths and and wow. widths and they yeah. do a bunch of computational photography to get you to, and you can do like the refocusing and stuff but you know you do that on phones but it's much higher quality what's the name of the camera the light l16 l16 camera. So 16 cameras 16 yeah. cameras almost two thousand dollars yeah so well, that's a lot of sensors like each they're not just lenses there's right. sensors behind mm-hmm. each one of these yeah. things you know <laughs> So you say uh, the Mac Mini question always comes up when we're talking about Macs. Yeah. But the other question that comes up with iPhones is iPhone SE. Yep. Yeah, so... What do you got to talk about that? When I, when I said that EDM is somewhat shaky, one of the things that they did, they predicted that an iPhone SE 2 would come out this, this spring. And mm-hmm. that was reported by them last year, I think. They were the second ones to report that too. Yeah, there was another. There was site another outlet watching it that that said, "Yeah, maybe that'll happen." And, and it, that, it hasn't happened. I mean, actually, I think the EDM report said in the first half of 2018. So we have right. two months left. But it's not like they're going to like surprise spring and <laughs> right. iPhone Apple, SE too. Apple cycle is coming gone. Yeah, you know they they don't. That mean they wouldn't release something in June. So, but I don't think that product is dead. Like, I no. don't think that product line is dead. I think maybe they're just going to, their cycle is going to be different and they're going to stuff it in with the regular yeah. iPhone announcements yes. in the fall or it something. It might be a fall update. But they, yeah. that's, that's a big, as much as it has fans here in the US and in yeah. Europe and stuff who just want a smaller phone that's like kind of modern, uh, it's really big in India and that's mm-hmm. the push. Yeah. And it's produced in India. It's not manufactured in, in China and stuff. Yeah. Their, their assembly is in India and stuff. And that's really, they're really going after that market with that cheaper and smaller phone. Yeah. Uh, and they can't just let the iPhone SE languish no. with its A9 processor, I think it has, and, and everything. Yeah. It's probably always going to be a step behind because of its size, but right. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this fall they, they kick one out. Yeah, it'll and, probably get an update someday. I just hope it doesn't fall into iPod touch kind of yes yeah where, where it's kind of forgotten but it's still there or, and, or mac mini as people say, or is the mac know. mini right but so. their cycle for that could be two years that could right. be it might just not be updated every year right. it just might yeah. be something that yeah. they don't do as often so if it came out this fall mm-hmm. do you think it would have an a10 or an a11 chip in it that's a good question i think it would still have an a9 maybe. Really? oh i doubt it I would, be at least a I would yes. say it would be at least an A10. The, remember, the A12 will be in the new phones Yeah, this That's fall, true. right? So it's going to be – I think they'd go for a 10, but it's 
Well, yeah, the, I'm thinking like cellular radio <laughs> issues might be the <laughs> right. reason they would That's, go with an even newer chip, but mm. it's expensive. Mm-hmm. That's what I was, you know, it's expensive. <laughs> and so... It, A10s aren't. A10s are in the... Apple TVs and stuff like that's they're right. crank they're still cranking those out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. Is there a power consumption? What's the? I don't know what the power consumption is of the A10 versus the A9, and if that's an issue at all. This it A10, be, I don't think it's going to be more. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like at least here, not everyone is buying the SE for cost reasons. I think a lot of people right. just it's the size they reasons. They want the smaller yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it doesn't seem like they're going smaller. It seems like the smallest phone they've got on on deck is the size of the iPhone 10, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a little less narrow than it's about as wide. As, I think it's a, about as wide as a regular like an iPhone 8. It's just plus. It's it's just taller. Yeah. And then they're going to have a, a bigger the cheap one's going to be bigger and then but it'll be LCD a plus display. that'll be yeah, mm-hmm. and then it'll be a plus that'll right. be even bigger. Yeah. So, and Michael Pareto uh, on YouTube is asking, "How about uh, any news with iPads?" Yeah, so they I just mean, released one. I just released one. <laughs> How about a Pro, new Pro? <laughs> so, in case you missed it, uh, Apple. Yeah, so there was a new, but that will probably be another fall release. I think so. they, they, they've been announcing the Pro. Uh, Matt, they've been. Um, They've been announcing iPad Pros at WWDC. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's yeah. where we would expect that's that. That's true. Happen. They probably, yeah. Especially because WWDC this year, when they made an announcement earlier this year that the OSs, both Mac and iOS, are undergoing, I don't want to call them maintenance releases, right. but they're not going to be chock full of features, supposedly. Yeah. So they need something to showcase. And they'll probably showcase some hardware at WWDC, and you could see them doing the iP- an iPad Pro, mm-hmm. especially now that the iPad new low cost iPad is here with pencil support. They sort of need to do something with iPad Pro to make it to know. make it you know an a more attractive product again. Yeah, because as you pointed out, it's perfectly fine yes. for a lot of people. Even people who might be considered pros mm-hmm. could, could even consider it. So, and I've had people send me DMs on Twitter that say, "Yeah, they they actually like it better than their pro because they had bigger ones, just like I did." Mm-hmm. But they said, you know, that for what they're using it for, they you know the power difference isn't that much. So yeah, they really have to do something to make the pro stand out now. Yeah. So, um, in other iPhone news, there's a new product red iPhone. Mm-hmm. Oh right. So yeah. There's the it's the. Uh, Eight models. Mm-hmm. It's the eight so. models and a new case for the ten. Yes. right. A leather case, I think. Yeah, I saw that this morning. Which, which is like, mm, I mean, well, what I was telling Leif this morning, I was like, you know, if they came out with a product red iPhone ten, or if they came out with a product red glass iPhone, I would be all over that. Okay. I would even wait. Like, if they, if we knew it was going to come out, because the the product red products usually come out a few months after the initial product right. releases. They aren't released at the same time as the new products. Mm-hmm. But I'd be willing to wait if we knew that there was going to be a product red glass iPhone because that red glass would probably look pretty cool. Yeah, But we don't know. Since they came out with a red case, mm-hmm. they didn't come out with red glass. Maybe red glass is cost prohibitive or just doesn't look good or hard to do. I, I don't know, but... Yeah, that maybe like. maybe the way they're splitting the 
Like they're already kind of doing colors with the the right. an, anodized aluminum mm-hmm. for yeah. the for the regular iPhones with the rose gold and stuff like that. So yeah. maybe the process isn't that different. And yeah. it would be for the iPhone 10. Right. Now they're making too many different shells, and I don't know. Yeah. But my guess is that since they released the case, and they didn't do cases for the eight. I mean, right. you get the phone, right? Right. So I, I think that's their answer. I don't think right. they're gonna. Yeah. You have but to wait till next cool. year for the <laughs> next iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Product red. But yeah, that's out. It. I think it's. Is it the same price as the regular? iPhone eights. I don't I, remember. I, now. I believe it's it the is. same price. Um, I think they're shipping this weekend because mm-hmm. they start they shipping on Friday. Yeah, they start yeah. shipping on Friday, and then and the uh, the proceeds go to uh, AIDS, AIDS benefit. Yeah. benefit. So as all the product red stuff does, right? You don't hear a lot about product red products anymore. No, no, you don't. There was that initial push and there yeah. was like for a couple of out, years yeah. a lot of companies did a lot of products and you don't hear so much about it mostly yeah. it's apple these days i would say when you hear about it so if the yeah, i can't even think of any other nothing comes off the top of my head of other companies that do product red products anymore i yeah. know some people even think it's like an apple thing as a yeah <laughs> that's how associated yeah, it's it so associated now that they think it's it's a, it's apple that's an interesting it's become associated with apple that's interesting that's the gravity well of Apple's right. like, <laughs> PR and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, that's the latest in iPhone news and rumors. Of course, they'll probably as we get closer to the fall, they'll probably start to build up. So, speaking of building, <laughs> Jason Cross took it upon himself to learn how to build an app. Yeah, but he didn't do it as. Uh, many, probably most adults would do it. Right. I I took a look. I mean, Apple, they had their ed- education event. And as part yeah. of that, I mean, they talked all a bunch about schools. But they also talked about, and um, Tim Cook talked in his interview with uh, MSNBC and stuff about um, how, much, how important they view education and not just for kids, but that learning to code is incredibly important for everybody and that adults need to learn how to code and it has to be a continuing education thing. You may not become an app developer, but you need to learn what coding is and how it works and it it changes the way you're thinking. It's going to impact every job. So even if you aren't a developer and even if you don't write code for a living, you need to know what, what coding is and how it works because that's going to have something to do with your job before long. Right. Right. It teaches you certain Steps of logic, right. so to speak. And you're yeah. going to be talking to coders and having to explain yeah. to them what you need and how, yeah. how it needs to work. and so, so I said, well, it's been a million years since I wrote any code. Like, you know, I, I was for a time a computer science major in, in college. Uh-huh. I didn't end up getting a degree in computer science. But, you know, and that was back in the day when we wrote C++ on Borland C++ compilers, which were like text editors, yeah. right, on Sun workstations with those like mirrored... <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, mouse pad things right. like that had to do those weird like first gen optical mouse thing. Right, like that's that was state of the art. We didn't, there weren't home computing. There were not modern development environments. It was it was bad, mm-hmm. um, and that's the last time I wrote any like functional mm-hmm. code of any kind outside of just some HTML. Right, so I said, well, I'll I'll, I'll learn Swift and I'll learn it Apple's way. I'll load up Swift Playgrounds and. Mm-hmm see what this is like and uh, i was surprised what a useful thing that was still for adults mm-hmm. yeah. in that uh at the first 
couple of lessons, it's so basic and juvenile that you're just like, I get it. I'm not six. Come on. You know, <laughs> but, but after that, you know, outside of the fact that you're guiding this little alien dude yeah. around called bite and you're, you kind of drag and drop functions to uh-huh. your little, you know, text, little blocks of text that you're dragged and dropping to make your, your little script code pieces. Um, you really do learn useful coding principles and you kind of solve puzzles that are engaging. They're like, mm-hmm. you really do have to kind of think, okay, well I have to do this and then I have to do that. Then I'll just repeat that part four times. And just, so you learn how to break a problem into a bunch of smaller problems that you'll just call up like the solution for yeah. multiple times. And you, then you, you, it gets into when you, you learn how arrays work and all these other stuff and you write real swift um, syntax. Yeah, so yeah. you can take that to, I want to make an app. The problem right. is you you can't then make an app. <laughs> right, right. Like you 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 get through your Swift playgrounds, and if you did it for an hour a day, you'd probably go through as an adult. You'd probably go through Swift playgrounds one and two and learn a whole lot about code mm-hmm. and how it works and what all these terms mean and everything. Uh, in a couple weeks, you know, it would yeah. not take that long. But then if you said, well, I want to write an app, even mm-hmm. just a very simple app, just something to, you can't do it. You can't do that. You have to go to your Mac and you have to download Xcode. And then there's a whole other, you're staring at a blank page. You're like, well, what do I do now? Like, how do I make an app that runs on right. my device? Yeah. And they have different teach yourself, like learn how to code stuff there. Right. But it's an ebook that you download and then you download like project files and you step through the project files with it. That's what it's been forever. That's how right, it's more traditional. It's traditional yeah. and it's really boring and you're just following along this like book yeah. and it's not at all the problem solving sort of game puzzle stuff that Swift Playgrounds is. Yeah. It would be good if they bridged that gap by, you know, kind of when you, there's a Swift Playgrounds 3 where you're not even guiding the alien anymore. You're making app-like things. Mm-hmm. That that really needs to be a thing where you can go like, well, now you can sign into your iPhone with mm-hmm. your iCloud thing and run your app. Mm-hmm. Like run your little right. your little app and make an app that computes, you know, uh, something simple like a like a what's a 15% tip? You know, you type in your amount and right. it tells you what 15% yeah. is. That would be you're not going to put that in the app store or anything, but that's a functional app that you could say, oh, I did something that really does something. Yeah. So, so I, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, that's what I was wondering, is what the diff- the experience of using it is like. Mm-hmm. So are you basically, is it just like, you know, even though you got Byte and everything, is it right. learning just like rote stuff, like here's the script, or do, and I believe this is important for kids, I believe it's important for adults, mm-hmm. to actually see what you're doing. You know, I know I got math a lot better yeah. when I understood, I, I learned math best in astronomy. It was like, this is why I've been learning all this trig and stuff, yeah. is to figure out parallax and stuff. Oh, I see it. So are you able to see that script become something like actually, you know, yeah, use it in practice. Yeah, what's great about what really works about Swift Playgrounds is right from the beginning, that's the way that it works. It's mm-hmm. not just going like, figure out what the code needs to be to mm-hmm. solve this puzzle. Congratulations, you got it right. Mm-hmm. What it does is it accepts, like a program, it accepts any solution that, like, if you have to, you'll have to make byte, let's say, uh, go along this 
there's an environment. Go along this environment and turn on all the off switches mm-hmm. and ignore all the on switches. So you've got to go say – you've got to use like if statements and stuff. Say if it's off, turn it on and stuff. And you know, won't know which ones are which. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you have all these functions that are like move forward, turn left. Those are not real – Swift functions, but the syntax, the way that the way that they're written is just like real Swift functions. And you make your program and then you run it and you see him move around and he'll get stuck and you'll have to debug it and figure it out. And then it'll accept any solution that actually finishes the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not just looking for the right answer and then that's done. And that's and that's one of the things that's really quite good about it because like you that. get to see your code get literally step through your code as a guy steps around an environment and That's see cool. where it's breaking. Oh, he turns left and just bumps into the wall there. I didn't mean to call that function again. I meant to move mm-hmm. forward another and then call that function again. You can go fix that, you know, and then go through it again. And so, yeah, it's that's one of the things that's really brilliant about it, that's especially true. compared to other uh, coding learning programs and stuff that that i've been through and they're they're just dry and boring you just they're just looking for the right answer yeah so i have to, so i have two questions one is uh what's the youngest age you think someone would like get benefit out of swift playgrounds and then two if someone was actually trying to learn how to build an iphone app mm-hmm. is this part of the route to go um i would say a, a bright a bright six or eight year old that that kind of did it with their parent, like you know, you're you're both sitting there looking at the iPad, can certainly go through Swift playgrounds. At least the first, you know, the first Swift playgrounds one. Uh, once it gets to like Swift playgrounds, the Swift playgrounds three set of things gets a little more abstract. But and then any middle schooler can just you could just hand them the iPad and say go through this. You know, they would they could totally do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of, yeah, I want to rake a real app. Is this the way to, if you know nothing about coding, I would say, yeah, spend the first couple of weeks doing Swift playgrounds, you're learning coding principles and concepts, but then you're going to have to just like making any app mm-hmm. learning it anyway, then you're going to have to go to a Mac and get Xcode and, and go through like really writing and compiling an app and using like interface elements and stuff that they don't teach you until kind yeah. of Swift playgrounds three, they kind of start to teach you how buttons work like actual on-screen buttons and things um so but yeah learning those concepts first if you've ever done code before if you know javascript or something like that and you're just trying to learn swift i don't think you really need to step through swift playgrounds you know what you know what functions are and arrays and while loops and all that kind of stuff yeah if anybody's watching who uh wants to share how they learned how to use Swift, how to write Swift. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see what, what they did. I'm so. pretty sure you can write um, apps for Android phones with Swift now. I think the latest Android oh, development really? kit accepts Swift. Uh, I'm pretty... Uh, right, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember from last... I think it was like last year's um, developer conference from, from the Android developer conference was... I think they announced Swift support in their Android's their official development kit. That so. seems to make sense. You know, there's probably a huge demand from iOS developers that they want to be able to port well, their easily bring their apps over to Android. Traditionally, well. it's Java, and Java's got its own set of issues, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. Uh, well, I, 
the great thing about the other great thing about uh, Swift plugins is that it's free. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's free. Um, you can and try it. Several different you, Swift programs. One, two, and three lessons are free. I think there's some other lessons within it that other people have made. Oh, I'm trying to remember, like, because you down. It's almost like iBooks. You download Swift Playgrounds and then you download lessons within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you can go pretty far. Yeah. So one of the things you you were saying, you know, if you already knew Java or something like that, you'd be fine skipping a lot. How you know, would you feel that a person would be comfortable after they learned a bit of Swift, you know, being inspired to go on to learn another programming language? Does it really allow that? Way? Yeah, it's a. F- it's not. It's not in any way some lightweight like programming language. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's meant to be basically a C replacement. Right. It's mm-hmm. you know you can you can and uh, you can write apps for. Mac and uh, Linux and stuff like that in Swift. I mean, it, you can write real serious big boy apps mm-hmm. <laughs> and not yeah. just like, and then a lot of the, you know, even very, very fancy and very sophisticated iOS apps are written in Swift. So Yeah, when Swift was first unveiled, it was the big, one of the big points that Apple was pushing was that, you know, it's it's better than C. You know, right. it, it cleans up a lot of messiness that C has, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like C. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. that way developers would be like, oh, I got to learn. Oh, but if it's like C, it's, you know, it's not that big a deal. So it was it was a way to make it more attractive and to get people to use it. Mm-hmm. So it's been one of Apple's more successful uh, developmental tools. Yeah, Swift, they're on yeah. to they're on to I, th- I think officially Swift two mm-hmm. is the, the yeah. Swift version they're on or something, um, and that's what you learn when you grab Swift Playgrounds yeah. or something. I think it's just syntax issues and right. changes and stuff. But yeah, uh, if you want to learn more about Jason's experience with Swift Playgrounds, we have an article of that on our website. It's a good article. Yeah, it's a it's a really good article. It's it's it was a lot of fun. I got to edit it, and it was a lot of fun because. You got to see what Jason's experiences were with it. Um, you know, a lot of people think of it as a kid's app, but, and Apple does push that, market that aspect of it very strongly, mm-hmm. but don't let that turn turn you off to it. I mean, yeah, that's the, that was my main takeaway yeah. is that I really kind of felt like, well, I'll go through this because this is what, how Apple wants kids to learn how to code. Yeah. And before I go diving into Xcode and stuff like that, I'll, I'll, I'll run through this. Why yeah. not? And I was surprised that within an hour I'm doing something where I was actually pretty engaged with like, okay, how do I solve this puzzle? Well, how am I going to, well, you know, what's, what's my loop going to be that I call a bunch of times to, to do all the parts of this yeah. little, you know, environment and stuff like that. It was, it was pretty, enter- it's kind of entertaining in a way. I wish it was, I wish there was more than just seeing them dance when you, <laughs> when you complete it, you know, but it's, yeah, it yeah. was, it was good. And, and by contrast, I thought I was going to, I was going to get to where I, I made an app in Xcode, and there was just yeah. such a gap mm-hmm. there that I was like, "Oh man, that's all. That's like a whole other, yeah, like pro- project." Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> I downloaded Xcode and I downloaded the sample thing, and I'm just like, I feel I almost feel like I'm starting over. I understand yes. these concepts, I yeah. understand this code, but I f- just feel like, well, here's a whole other different thing you can do if you want to actually make an app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, maybe the Apple will create a workflow. <laughs> an educational, an workflow. educational learning how to code workflow team, an idea. and they'll see how people are using these tools, and yeah. they'll finally create that bridge that 
that that seems like it needs to be there. So that, and I think a, a reader brought this up a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the new iPad and stuff, where they were said they said Xcode on iPad. I mean, that would right. in a way solve it if you could do something in Swift Playgrounds, even sort of the third one where they right. get rid of Byte and they do more programming, more more like app creation-y type stuff. Mm-hmm. If you could do that and say, well, now kick it over to Xcode and yeah. and just kick my code over there and I'll start, I'll turn this into an app. You yeah, know? that would be. A big step. Yeah, that every every year before WWDC, I think that's the one big product that people hope gets announced. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, one more thing. Xcode for iOS. Oh, yeah. would, the crowd would go wild and you know, there would yeah. be uh celebrations in the streets when, when that happens. But <laughs> or, you know, conversely, Swift Playgrounds on a Mac, at least you could be yeah. on the same thing. That's true. This mm-hmm. idea that you gotta right. just jump platforms entirely yeah. to go from my learning what coding is to actually making an app yeah. is a, ge- a big yeah. gap, big leap. So. Um, real quick, uh, well, I guess I have two things. First, as a former uh, program computer science major, was the first lesson Hello World? No. Oh. Oh, in Swift Playgrounds? Yeah. No, in Swift Playgrounds, um, it's it's interesting because they're not they're not making you build a program that that runs like it would run on a screen. Uh, they they give you you have a little three D environment that you can like drag around of blocks and stuff, and you have a little character named Byte on it, and you navigate him through this environment. Okay. So it's actually kind of like if you remember the old. It's not really a programming language, but if you remember, um, what was the thing with where you had the little carrot and you would draw lines and turn it? Logo? It's like logo. Yes. It's, a, it's a lot like, it reminds me of like a more sophisticated logo. Okay. <laughs> but you're learning concepts like, okay. uh, like, like here's a, a function. Well, this is what a function is. Uh-huh. And, and it has the right syntax like curly brackets and all this other uh-huh. stuff. You, you're yeah. doing all that stuff. So you learn those things doing a, a logo-like exercise of moving this guy around an environment. All right, and then my the other thing uh, is Carlos on YouTube was asking about the red again. Um, one, I guess six nine starts at six ninety nine with an eight and sixty four or a sixty four and two fifty six gig op- option, but he's wondering if he waits until August, would it sell out, or how does Apple deal with red products and their limited availability? This is just when they sell out, and there's no no clue. I believe I. You know, I haven't been tracking that. I always thought that once they release it, they just have it till the end. Yeah, I never thought they were limited. Was it limited? They are. I think they, they have sold out before. They past, call them yeah. limited edition. They're limited edition. They do. So. I'm just trying to. I don't. I've never heard of like a stampede to get them real right. fast. Yeah. I think you know how Apple always sells like last year's iPhone still at a lower price. Right. Like in a year, they're not still going to be selling the iPhone eight red like. Product red editions. Well, mm-hmm. let's see if uh, I'll see if is the iPhone Seven Red still available. I don't know. <laughs> Did they even come out with the red? That I don't know. In nope. the Seven, it doesn't seem familiar. Or Seven Plus. I don't no, see one. I don't see one. But they they have their own product red site. Maybe I don't know. That's, um, yeah. it, I don't. I don't think they sell out super fast. Mm-hmm. Like you got to run and get one today. But August that mm, that that's maybe? that's risky. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like there was an iPhone 7 product red. Okay, like, so maybe the numbers are limited. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the, I, the iPhone 7's been out, what, almost two years now? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, 
Yeah, the, the one thing about the, yeah the red coming out after the initial product release is that the demand. I mean, people want their new iPhones; they get them when they're initially released. So there's not this rush like there is for the red products. Yeah. It seems like so. Um, but yeah, I Apple doesn't say that they only have X number of units that they're going to sell or anything yeah like i would that. think mm-hmm. if they i mean they know they don't keep that much product in the pipeline but i think what they do yeah. is they just produce them for some months and then they kind of just right. decide to taper it off at some point probably when the new iphones are released or something yeah. they just sell whatever inventory they have and so apparently with the seven it was appearing on that that page that you were looking at where it showed the different colors a model but it has recently disappeared so that gives you an idea that Apple apparently doesn't announce when they've stopped selling it for the seven and stuff. I see. So, but there, there were people making commentary about that. I just saw. So, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian on YouTube is asking if Xcode goes to the iPad, would that mean the end of the Mac? Well, no. I mean the Mac's useful for a whole lot of other things, not just not right. the only people with Macs are not. Programmers writing apps got an Apple wishes, but well, yeah, that's that. Along <laughs> with the announce, the always hoping that the WWDC that people would wish that the the want list of WWDC includes IO, uh, Xcode for iOS hmm. is the counter argument that the reason why they don't do that is because they want to sell Macs because you know they want to sell Macs, they want to keep people using the Macs to develop software for iOS. So that's always been sort of the, the counter argument. And like you said, people are using Macs for other things as well. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, there's there's still this sort of uh, UI thing that people aren't comfortable using with. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're developing an iPad app on an iPad, so UI kind of maybe isn't as much of a hindrance, but there's still sort of a UI preference for some people that you know, like one of the reasons why I don't use an iPad so much is because I prefer to using a Mac and using a mouse or the trackpad and a keyboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just a, a, there is a preference in terms of the tools that are available to you when you're developing or creating stuff on either platform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's still that preference. I don't, I you know, and it is a developer market, so it's a smaller market than the general market it's a small I segment i don't know that it's ever going to happen i think more likely is this marzipan thing where we hear right. about yes. ios apps happen. running on on Macs, and then that still helps close that that thing where it's like well the thing that i'm programming this for and the thing that i tested on is a separate device from the thing that i'm actually programming it on right. and everything and then you don't have that issue as much anymore yeah um, then it's just a matter of designing swift playgrounds and xcode to kind of talk to each other and making a lesson where you build an app, you know, to kind of a real app, (laughs) even if you can't literally put it on your phone, although that would be cool. Like, you know, test flight or something, you know, even if you're not going to publish it in the store, you could run it on your Mac as it would run on an iPhone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, that just about does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast. The Actually, it's the 600th episode of the Macworld Podcast. Woo. Woo. So, <laughs> we didn't do anything special. It was just no. another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we'll wait for the 12. I forgot we were coming up on it. It oh, just seems so. one week older. That's, that's the mark. Yeah, it's just one week older. 
Maybe we'll do something at 1,000. <laughs> That's eight years from now. Yeah, I was going to say, how many years from now is, what's 400 weeks? So, um, but yeah, so that just about does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast. If you have any more comments or questions, anything you want us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comments of Twitter and YouTube. We'll take a look at those. So I'd like to thank Jason and Leif. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'd like to thank Dan, our producer. Thank You're you, welcome, Roman. Dan. And I'd also like to thank you, the audience, for tuning in. Catch you next week. Next week, we'll most like we had to push the podcast back an hour uh, for a meeting. Uh, but next week, we should be on our regular time at that's 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Anybody know what time that is in China? I don't remember. <laughs> no. It's yesterday, right? It's tomorrow? It's It's tomorrow. tomorrow. I want to say it's 14 hours ahead, but I don't remember exactly. Anyways, uh, we'll probably be back at our regular time next week, 10 o'clock Pacific on Twitter and YouTube. So see you next week. Thank you very much.